I'm Chris from Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D., a show taking a look at the greater Marvel Cinematic and Television Universes, part of the Gunna Geek Network, just like the show you're checking out now. Shows on the network are individually owned, and the opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other marvelously geeky shows at GunnaGeekNetwork.com. Welcome to Play Comics, where once again we are here looking at a video game based on a comic and how well it represents that comic source material. Today, I have one of my best friends in podcasting, Anthony Sitko here from Capes on the Couch. Anthony, how are you this time recording this? I am good this time recording it. I believe last time we recorded it, I was also good, but that was a while ago so i forgot yes you were honestly i forgot what i felt like yesterday so um for a peek behind the scenes here somebody did not make sure that he was going to be recording in good audio quality the last time and forgot to download the backups from ecaster and either forgot to use or didn't have the P4 yet, and definitely told Anthony that he didn't have to record on his end because everything would be fine. It was not. SP, we are truly sorry for yeah. disappointing you. Yeah, that's very much a how I didn't save my podcast story. It is one of the few episodes we will have lost and never let anybody hear. Yeah. Not making that mistake again. Nope. We officially have we five different things that are recording right now. Yeah. <laughs> and just for a reference, if you double that, I still have more Gwens on my desk. you have a problem well it's not like i went and bought a comic today that was graded because the cover was done by a local artist yeah i did i'll have a picture down in the show notes really that's pretty cool yeah it was babstar oh babstar is local to you yes she is Oh, that's cool. Not where she is now, where she's from. Oh, okay. She did awesome work on Batgirl. Oh, yes, she did. But that's all stuff that you will hear when you listen to the end of the episode for the outtakes, because we have much differenter things to talk about now. Anthony had a thought, and I... I really liked this thought because I'd kind of been throwing around the thought myself. A lot of the early episodes 
I was still trying to figure out what was happening with the show. And I was still trying to figure out the flow and everything. And so there are some early episodes that I would probably not mind redoing, um, preferably with a different guest, just because I think it would be better to have a completely new person. And in a much better world, better times by me, this would be more topical and timely. But at some point in the past five years, because I think that's how time works now, there was a collection of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle games released all on a single disc or memory card or downloadable file, which still sounds dirty to say, called the Cowabunga Collection. And Anthony sent me a message one day and said, Chris, if you don't let me come on and talk about the Cowabunga Collection, I don't know if we can be friends anymore. I don't think I put it quite like that. I think I just said, hey, I think it would be pretty cool to talk about the Cowabunga Collection as a compilation because there is so much here that Digital Eclipse has brought to this collection. And this is one thing that I'll, I'll kind of repeat myself from the first time that we recorded, because I do remember talking about this. They could have very easily just gone the bare bones route and said, here's the games and we'll throw in like save features and a rewind and some cool backgrounds slash borders while you're playing and you can play in the original ratio and maybe, oh, we'll, we'll be really cool. We'll be retro and nostalgic, whatever. And we'll throw in a, a filter. So it'll look like an old CRT TV. That is not what Digital Eclipse did here. They went all out. And I can truly say that this is now in my opinion, the standard for what a retro game compilation should be in terms of extra material. You've got every box from every vert, from every game that is in the collection, US and Japanese releases, scans, front and back. You've got full scans of the instruction manuals. You've got the soundtracks for every game fully included you've got in addition to all the stuff from just the games now you've also got design manuals you have concept art you have notes from the game designers saying oh this is what we want the level design to look like this is how these characters should move this is what these individual cells should look like as the pixels are moving etc you've got promos and advertisements from game magazines back in the day, like Game Informer and Nintendo Power and such, advertising the Ninja Turtles games. You've got stills from the various animated cartoons, the OG 87, the, in my opinion, hot take, Superior 2003, that is the, the best version of the Ninja Turtles cartoon that there is, is that 2003 version. Um, the 
the one from the mid 2015s, the 2018 rise of the Ninja Turtles. There's like five different ones. There's clips or not clips, but uh, stills from each of those. You've got, gosh, well, it is just like a wealth of material for the franchise. You have comic scan covers of the comics, the original Eastman and Laird, the, the Ninja Turtle Adventures, that I think was like an Archie comics back in the, the late 80s, early 90s. There is so, so much stuff on this that one night I was playing this on the Switch while I was rocking my daughter to sleep. I didn't actually play any of the games. I literally spent about 90 minutes just going through the bonus material and looking at the boxes and the instruction manuals and going, Jesus, I remember these instruction manuals because I had all the NES games except for Tournament Fighters. I had the Super Nintendo games also except for Tournament Fighters. Uh, and I had the first two Game Boy games. I think there's three Game Boy games. I had the first two. I never played the third one until the collection, but I had all of those games. Plus I played the arcade versions 30, 11 times. So I was intimately familiar, shall we say, with the franchise and its video game history. And this compilation is amazing. And as I said, I've played a lot of retro collections over the years. This is the gold standard for what a compilation is now. Bar none, this is it. So I get the idea that even coming into this, you might be a fan of the Ninja Turtles. You could say that. Besides that beautiful example of a cartoon from 1987, which thankfully is younger than me, so it doesn't quite make me feel old. Um, what, what is it that really got you into the Turtles? My first exposure to them was the 87 cartoon. Um, that came out when I was five. So I never read the comics, but the cartoon came out and then the toys and then the OG live action movie. I went to my friend Billy Harris's house to watch the Out of Their Shells tour pay-per-view, which I have the soundtrack to that on my computer. And I, I do listen to it. The Pizza Power song is catchy and there's there's some decent stuff in there. So when the video games came out, it was, yeah, I'm going to play the video games because it just seemed like a natural extension. I think for one Halloween, I was Donatello. Yeah. And then my sister and I, <laughs> when when TMNT came out, the, the fourth movie in the original timeline, whatever, the, the CGI one, uh, we went to the theater opening weekend with bandanas and like plastic weaponry. This was like pre-Aurora, so it was it was okay. But there um there were some people staring at us, but because we were <laughs> we were in our twenties and we walk in there like, you know, I was 
uh, I was Donatello and I had the purple bandana and I had like, it wasn't like a full bow staff, but I had a little bow staff and my sister was Michelangelo and she had foam nunchucks with her and just walk in there and we're like, yeah, yeah, we're here to see the Ninja Turtles movie. And I was an elected official at the time and there was some uh, commentary in my hometown, shall we say, that felt that I was being immature, unprofessional, whatever the case may be, that it wasn't a good look that I, as a councilman, was having fun. I mean, you know, it wasn't anything quite so far as protesting for gun control, uh, so they didn't kick me out, but, um, you know, I'm sure that there were some people that were at least considering it. But, you know, I'm white, so I was able to get away with it. Well, I guess I have to put this episode out quick. <laughs> All that to say, I, I've been a fan of the franchise for 30 years. 30, 30 plus years. Is Donatello your favorite then? Because both times you, you mentioned dressing up, you were Donatello. Yeah. Yeah, Donnie has always been my favorite because I was the science guy. I was the nerd. So plus, from a video game standpoint, the bow staff was always a kick-ass weapon. Use it. It didn't know it wasn't fast, but it had solid power and the range was was always top notch. So and that's something that has, has always carried over, um, at least in the in the original NES game. Donatello was the guy because of the reach of that bow staff. You, if you played as Raph or Mikey, especially Raph, you were playing on expert mode because you had to wait until they got right next to you before you could do anything. Donnie, it was slow, but that boom, boom, boom. boom the only downside was uh, that if anything was like close above you or below you, you had some trouble. But if there was an enemy on the floor above you, on the level above, you basically just stand underneath them, get Donnie and just whack him with the bow staff and you take him out. You don't even have to touch him. So yeah, Donnie has been my boy. It's Donnie, then Leo. That's That's the order. Leo's always been my backup but I main Donnie. I mean, how far into the Turtles comics universe side of things have you dug yourself into now? So on my show, we've covered Raph, Casey. I think that's it. I think just those two. And so I would say I've read a good amount but I never did a deep dive into the comics because I also know that there have been multiple iterations and timelines. There was the original Mirage, then there was the Archie stuff, then IDW took over. And I don't have that kind of time to sit there and go, well, in this time, I'm gonna read all of these and read all the Mirage comics and follow the timeline all the way through. And then I'm going to go read the Archie stuff, which is a separate continuity that largely 
follows the animated series from 87 and then kind of branches off and does its own thing. And then the IDW, which kind of takes large sections of the Mirage as canon, to my understanding, but then does its own thing with them. So I, I read them to the best that I could. And then it was a lot of, okay, let's read plot summaries on Wikipedia or finding like a fandom.com site that covered the comics and what the characters have gone through. The thing about it is that at least for the purposes of my show, we don't need to go into a super deep dive on the plot lines and the stories because that's not the focus of the show. The focus of the show is the characters. We only provide the five minute background so that you have an understanding of what these characters have gone through so that their issues and the problems that they deal with make sense in the context of their universe. Because we don't want to just say, well, this character is suffering from PTSD. Well, what did they go through suffering PTSD? Well, it doesn't matter. Well, it kind of does. So therein we have to say, well, this is what happened in this arc. We'll give you like a 15, 30 second summary of that storyline and this storyline and this storyline. So at least when we're talking about, well, and as a result, when they were dealing with this character and they had whatever happened, this is why they have trust issues or this is why you know, they have relationship problems because of this storyline where they were in a romantic relationship with so-and-so and then it went to hell. So I do my best to read the comics so that I have an understanding of the characters, but that's also why I read them is for the characters, not for the storylines. So have you had a chance to explore turtles hanging out with Batman or Power Rangers or anything like that yet? I read the first Batman crossover. I have not read the Power Rangers crossover, largely because I'm going to don my flame retardant suit here. Power Rangers is not a franchise I ever cared about because I was, I want to say, like 12 when it came out. So at that point, I was well past the target demographic, which isn't to say that you can't enjoy things for people that are far younger than you, far be it for me to argue that point as someone who will watch Bluey without my children present because it is an amazing show. Do they know you do that? I'm sure. Okay. I don't think they care. But in any case, uh, so Power Rangers was never my thing. But Ninja Turtles and Batman together, cool. I'll check it out. I enjoyed it. I thought it was, I thought it was cool. I mean, all those things like that I think are cool for what they are like you, you got to kind of get back to the status quo because you don't get to do a giant run of anything but it's fun to have people play around in the wrong sandbox sometimes yeah you take different characters and mix them together and see what you end up with sometimes you get something that's really cool sometimes it sucks but sometimes you don't know that it sucks until you actually try it out so I am all for giving people a chance to try to make their thing. Yeah. So <laughs> this is actually kind of a perfect segue as to one of the things that I wanted to talk about that I didn't really talk about last time, because if you recall last time we recorded, I was telling you how I had gone through and played all the games and 
was reliving a lot of nostalgia because I basically played all of them. I think with the exception of maybe the Hyperstone Heist because I didn't have a Genesis console. Um, and even then I was familiar with it because Hyperstone Heist is basically a slightly altered Turtles in Time. So I was familiar enough with it and I was playing it and going, yeah, okay, this is familiar enough. They tweaked some of the level designs and the music was a little different because the Genesis sound chip just doesn't, I, I'm not a fan of the Genesis sound chip. But anyway, but I hadn't played Tournament Fighters, uh, any of them. And so you said to me, oh, I think after this recording, you should go back and play Tournament Fighters. And I was like, I absolutely will. And then I did. So fast forward to last night, the night before we're recording this, and I said, you know, I haven't played Cowabunga Collection in a while. Let me turn it on again to refresh my memory before I talk to Chris. And you know what? I'm going to play Tournament Fighters because this will give me an opportunity to have an opinion about it that I can discuss it within the, the context of the show because I've, again, played all the other games at infinitum. Those I can talk about with no prep whatsoever. So what I want to discuss now is why all of a sudden I suck at fighting games. I grew up playing Street Fighter Mortal Kombat. Okay, those came out when I was about 10 years old. So I will freely admit I was never fantastic at fighting games, but you put me in front of a Street Fighter 2 machine at like 11 years old, I could make it to at least like Sagat or Vega without needing a second quarter. You put me in front of a Mortal Kombat machine, I could make it probably to Goro or Shintaro or whoever the the various four-armed, you know, second-in-command to Shang Tsung was. I could make it to basically them on one quarter. So I'm not, I wasn't horrible at fighting games. I had some skill. Over the past 15 years, I don't think I've played any fighting games. So I said, well, this is going to be interesting to see how this goes. I played tournament fighters for the Super Nintendo version. Five times, five times, five times, five times, five times. In those five times playing the game, you know how many rounds I won? One. I beat War once in story mode. I went one and 10. That is New York Jets level bad, okay? That is Detroit Lions level bad. I... I wasn't even button mashing. I I know that there are certain combinations. I, I was playing Donatello, not surprising. I, I, I confess I didn't look up the combinations for all of his moves before I started, but I know having played numerous fighting games, there are certain combinations and things that I know will work. A quarter turn from down to right on the control pad and a punch typically throws a projectile or some kind of thing. You know, like back, back, forward, up, down, you know, chart, you know, hold it down and then press up. All of these, these combinations, there's only so many different things you can do for these basic moves. I was doing all of them, didn't matter. I was getting schooled. 
I switched to level one or level zero, whatever the base level of the game is, the very first one. I got my ass handed to me. Again, base level. I got destroyed. And after five times of getting my ass handed to me, I said, this isn't worth it. I, I My blood pressure is rising. I'm not getting any enjoyment out of this. I'm going to go do something else. And then I proceeded to spend the next 20 minutes going through the extras and going, wow, that's right. These advertisements were cool. I think I, I remember seeing that in a Nintendo Power back in 1994 or whenever it was. So I don't know what exactly went wrong with me and fighting games, but my skill level is non-existent at this point. Like, I'm pretty sure uh, my four-year-old son could beat me in a fighting game just by mashing the buttons, and he would probably still kick my ass. Now, I have a theory on what it might be, but do you have a Street Fighter II machine to test my theory out? Because I think the problem might just be that you're old. I mean, I am old. Mm -hmm. Insofar as, you know, a month away from 41 is considered old. But I do not have a Street Fighter 2 machine. But it was just, again, I wasn't button mashing, man. I was like, okay, I'm back for block. And then the, the up is jump. But then, I mean, at least what I was trying to do is I was trying to do like my, my quarter turn sweeps and i just ended up jumping and i was like no i don't want to jump it's you know down quarter turn to right down quarter turn to right why am i jumping why is the controller i was doing having the same problem on the d-pad and on the analog stick it was still reading that somehow i was pressing up i was like are my fingers too fat for the the pad like what is happening here why am i jumping i don't want to jump i'm supposed to be like quarter turning this the, the controller I don't want to jump why is Donnie spending half his time in the air and then he's getting juggled like you know a, a circus ball it was very frustrating like I said five times I got my ass kicked. couldn't get past the first freaking fighter did you try the Genesis or regular Nintendo version to see if it was just Super Nintendo for some reason no, because at that point, I just said, screw it. I don't want anything to do with this. I, I couldn't bother. I don't know that I would enjoy even playing the Nintendo version because it's just two buttons. And I was like, I can't, I can't mess with that. At least because I grew up with the playing the Super Nintendo. So I need my, my six buttons, you know, A, B, X, Y, and then the triggers. So that's what I need to, to understand things. And I... I had friends you know who had genesis and they some of them were playing with the the three buttons and then they got the six buttons and i was like oh finally you've caught up to us but i was like i don't know how you can play this game with three buttons it just it didn't make sense to me but in any case i did not try the other two versions of tournament fighters because at that point i just wanted to it was late and i was doing my level best to avoid throwing the controller at my brand new tv like it's literally less than a month old and i was like i'm gonna huck this switch pro controller right through the middle of this OLED screen because I'm so pissed off. I have to admit there's a certain charm in the regular Nintendo fighters. Um, p 
part of that is because when I first got into having emulators, we very quickly found Kart Fighter. So playing that little piece of hacked up beauty was kind of the foundation for a lot of us playing fighters. And like, it's weird because you have the six button that you're used to that we've had since forever, it seems like. And if you took that to four buttons, it would suck. But somehow stripping it all the way down to two buttons makes it so even more simplistic that it kind of becomes good again. It, it's it's weird. Okay. That being said, I also think it's weird that the Super Nintendo is the only one that has multiplayer on it for online multiplayer out of the three fighters. Really? Not even Genesis? Not even Genesis, which is weird. The regular Nintendo one makes complete sense to me that they wouldn't have it because who would want to play that yeah. multiplayer? But the Genesis one, I don't get it. And it's not like there's a huge difference in between the games. I mean, there's a couple characters that are in one and not the other, and that goes in both directions there. So it, it's... I don't know, unless they're just trying to save on server space or something, or trying to keep everybody who wants to play tournament fighters together in one game instead of having a rekindled Sega versus Nintendo console war thing going. Maybe. I don't know. But that that is interesting. But you have that, and then you can still have online multiplayer for Turtles in Time and Hyperstone Ice, which, like you've said earlier, is basically the same game. Just add a level in Hyperstone Ice, change the order around, change the sound, and there you have your game. Yep. Nothing wrong with that. What is it, do you think, that makes this just such a wonderful collection besides having all of the games in it that it has and all the other things you've already mentioned? Well, I think I said it before. It's all the bonus stuff. Well, I mean, it's, I don't know what else I can say because it, it is obviously a top tier collection of games that were all largely very well received critically at the time they were released. Plus, again, you have the save feature, the rewind, the filters. There's like cheat codes and various things you can edit to the games to provide additional lives or, you know, sound effects and, and things of that nature. So there's edits that you can make to the game and then all of the aforementioned uh, bonus material that I said earlier that is really it I think that just speaks to again the care and uh, professionalism that Digital Eclipse had when they did this that they said we want to make this more than just a collection of games you know, we want this to be a love letter to the fans of the franchise. 
and to the fans of the games that we're going to go well above and beyond what is required of us. You know, I compare this to something like the Disney Afternoon Collection, which is basically just, yeah, here's your games. That's it. You want to play DuckTales? Cool. Or you want to play Darkwing Duck? All right, awesome. Here it is. Here's Chippendale's Rescue Rangers. You're welcome. The Mega Man collections, at least the, the one that I played for, was either OG Xbox or maybe even 360, had a little bit of stuff. They had some concept art in there. I think one of the versions, I don't remember if it was like GameCube or Xbox, whatever, had an episode of the Ruby Spears cartoon on there. So I was like, all right, that's cool. Because you, you throw in something from the franchise that isn't directly related to the games, but it's the franchise itself. This is everything. Like, I literally don't know what I could have asked for that they didn't include, aside from maybe like an episode of the cartoons, but that's probably rights and things of that nature. So we got the stills. I know that they had to re record the. 87 cartoon theme song for I think the the arcade game they couldn't get the original licensed cartoon audio so they re-recorded it it still sounds awesome and then all of the Pizza Hut boxes in the game are just generic pizza boxes but the Pizza Power song is still there I think if there was one thing that I wanted that isn't in there I want a high quality remastered soundtrack from the out of our shells tour because the mp3s that i have were clearly ripped from the cassettes that they gave out at like pizza hut or whatever and it's okay but there's there's no punch to the bass you're still dealing with a little bit of that cassette hiss that that just kind of sits throughout the the whole audio so i get it because it's better than nothing but i want my remastered full Put it on vinyl and i'm sure there'll be lots of people who will buy it make like a green vinyl record and they'll be and you know charged like 60 dollars for it and you'll get a whole bunch of you know like millennials and older millennials like me will go i'll pay 60 dollars for that oh my god this is a piece of my childhood it sucks ass but again you wrap the nostalgia filter on it and charge like thrice what it should be and a fool and his money are soon parted so there, there's your tip there, for, for whoever has the rights to that there's your tip release that on vinyl charge 60 bucks for it and you'll make a killing why do you think it took this long to get a collection this good not just for turtles for anything well, digital digital eclipse has done a couple of compilations prior to this i don't remember uh specifically what it is that they did um i know like you said they did the disney afternoon collection they also right. did the street fighter 30th anniversary collection okay well i think it's a situation where they probably just learned as they went along to say, okay, this is what we're going to to incorporate now, um, so that we we know what people want, and I, I'm sure some of it comes down to rights as well. But um, you know, I just think that 
the reception that they get as they they go on they also did i'm seeing here they did the atari 50 compilation which from what i understand is absolutely astonishing in the way that it uh presents things because it's a it's a timeline it's not just a here's all the games it's a you can play from the entire history of atari going through with videos and a whole host of other stuff so that is like a love letter to the company um which i again i think really speaks to the care that they have in terms of video game preservation you know and i also think for for this compilation it helps that all the games are konami because i know sometimes when you're dealing with franchised or licensed games you can have different studios that worked on them and so trying to get the rights together to compile for a compilation might be difficult here it really works because everything was konami from the 87 or from the original nes game all the arcade games everything through you know 1992 or 93 whenever the last game in the compilation was that came they all were in one studio so from a rights perspective i think that helped and as much as i hate to say it i think just the storage capacity of everything has to be considered here you couldn't have packed all of this stuff in this kind of quality onto a ps1 collection or a collection for ps1 rather no there's no way like you would have had to have had one disc for games and three discs for bonus stuff if you were going to even get close and who would have wanted to pay for that yeah i don't know that it would have necessarily been that difficult because you also have to remember a lot of these games are not that uh that intensive in terms of of size and resources because they're retro let's just say i know from experience you can fit a regular nintendo emulator and multiple games on a three and a half inch floppy yeah exactly so that's why i'm not uh you know i'm not going to say that it was necessarily all coming down to storage because you could have done it on a disc you could have done it on a cd you probably just wouldn't have had the all of the extra bonus materials but again like i said the the mega man collection you had the ruby spears cartoon at least one episode on there and that required full video you know for a 22 minute cartoon whatever the case may be so that's kind of my uh you know my my take on that so i don't know that it was necessarily storage capacity it was just the care that they wanted to put into it no matter what this one has set the bar i think for every collection going forward um before this i would think maybe one of the sega genesis as a console collections was probably your gold standard but now it, it is so clearly cowabunga collection it's not even funny yeah absolutely like i said they they love games 
and it shows because they put work into this. I really don't want to ask the normal questions here because all of these games in a really good way show off what is going on with Turtles and it's not you can go back to the early episodes here and it's not like there's anything completely wrong in any of these that can't be explained by you had to make a game so of course you don't yeah again they're all solid and in their own way within the limitations of their consoles obviously but it uh you know it just again speaks to the the quality that they put in at the time and then also just how how and why these games have lasted in the the public consciousness as long as they have if they were horrible games i'm sure someone would remember them but it wouldn't be uh, nearly as uh as well received but i think again that's why the compilation is as beloved as it is because these games were so good and the quality of the compilation is so good yeah looking at what's actually on here basically everything and the worst games only because something has to be the worst i would say are the game boy ones but they were also on the big gary brick game boy so i mean i'm gonna think those are the worst ones most of the time anyway when you're comparing them to super nintendo and genesis games there's just no way around that i mean Even if you can't get past that first damn level with the seaweed that's been electric hot five for some reason, it's I could never get past that one growing up. I still love playing that game, and I just knew that I was going to die there. And essentially, that was the end of the game for me. I definitely needed to use a uh, save spam when I played it um, recently. I was able to beat it, but I definitely had to really rely on that save state in the game as well as the rewind feature and then even still it took me forever and a day to get through it you know you had your turtles too where yes it's obviously not the arcade game but you basically have the arcade game in your house they dumbed it down to fit on a regular nintendo but they kept as much in there as they could. And really, I have no idea how they managed to keep as much in there as they managed to keep in there. It is amazing what they pulled off in a 1990 arcade game for a still rather new console. Yeah. It's, uh... You know, again, it's it's impressive what they could do at the time and the fidelity to the originals is apparent in the emulation and the way that it's presented in, in this compilation. It plays and it looks exactly like it did 30 years ago. 
we could go through the entire list like this. Everything is basically exactly as you remember it. Everything is actually good. This isn't just nostalgia glasses going on here. This is a good collection of games, both in that the games are good and the collection is good. And I'm going to ask this just because I feel like I have to, but it's probably just a completely pointless question. Would you hand somebody this game as a primer course to get into the Ninja Turtles? Hell yeah, I would. Absolutely. There is absolutely no reason not to give this to somebody. Not only do you have these amazing games, all the bonus material and the fact that they can go through such a wide variety of gameplay to get there. It is just amazing. Plus, it's on a new console, so they probably already have it. That helps. <laughs> yeah, it's it's good stuff. Like I said, if you are at all a fan or even remotely interested in the Ninja Turtles, get this compilation for whatever console you choose. I got it for Switch just because that's my default console at the moment because sake of ease and I can play it while I'm rocking my daughter to sleep and my my son likes the games on there because we play the Mario stuff so it's just a lot easier for me to play it on Switch. I know obviously from a technical standpoint it's the weakest of the current gen consoles blah 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 I, I know all that but then again I also don't need the blazing fastest machine to play 30 year old games so yeah, we need the blazing fastest machines to make our podcasts. Yes. True story. So as we start to wind down, I don't remember if I've asked you this before on the show. So I'm going to have to ask you now just to make sure that it is being asked. Who's your favorite Muppet? You know, I have listened to dozens of your episodes and I know you always ask that question and I knew at some point it was going to come to me I don't remember what my answer was if you asked me at all the first time I was on I'm going to say it is a tie and this is probably you're going to roll your eyes it's a cop out whatever but I don't care it's a tie between Kermit just for general utility he's the straight man he's the lead he's just such a great character um i just appreciate what kermit represents and who he is as a character and then swedish chef because growing up i just always thought he was absolutely hilarious and uh, Doc, my, my co-host on Capes on the Couch, he's been my best friend since I was 13, and we, to this day, will sing the Swedish Chef song, and I think back when AOL Instant Messenger was still a thing, that the sign-on sound for him, or for me, like, when he would sign on, I would have it play, bork, bork, bork. So... <laughs> this is 
this is what it comes down to. So whenever I think of the Swedish chef, I, I think of my brother. Um, so that's just as it's personal and it has a little less to do with the Swedish chef as a character himself. But yeah, so Swedish chef and, and Kermit are the favorite Muppets of mine. The Swedish chef, I have no comment because I can't argue about any of that. Kermit, I do have to know if you prefer Muppet Show Kermit or Muppet Movie Kermit. Oh, gosh. I, <laughs> um, I mean, can I take the third way out and say that I really like Sesame Street reporter Kermit? Because growing up, that was really the one that I saw the most back when Kermit was on Sesame Street and he was the reporter with the trench coat and the, the hat and stuff. So in my brain, that is kind of like the default image of, of Kermit for me. So that's going to be my choice just because it wasn't an option that was provided to me and I have to be contrarian. Um, I'm going to allow it because he also had that little bit of an asshole streak going with him. So that lines up with my preferred Muppet Show Kermit. So you're cool with that answer. Okay, I'll allow it. Well, Anthony, as always, it has been great getting the pleasure to talk to you. If people want to hear more from you, where else can they find you around the Internet? So you can find us on our website, which is capesonthecouch.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Capes on the Couch. We are uh, proud fellow members of the Gunna Geek Network. So you can go to gunnageeknetwork.com and check us out there. And I've done guest appearances on this show. I was I had some on and off recurring guest spots on Legends of S.H.I.E.L.D. So, and uh, you know, you can hear my comments here and there on, on better podcasting. I tried to do uh, as decent a job as I can with time and whatnot to provide some feedback for uh, SP and, and Steven with their questions and their comments. And I like to engage in the community because I think it's a lot of fun. Um, so that's that's where you can find us. Basically, look for Capes on the Couch and uh, you can find us there. And if this episode happens to come out before May 14th, we're actually going to be doing our first convention appearance. We are going to be hosting a panel at PoochieCon in Atlantic City on uh, Sunday, May 14th. And it's going to be a discussion about Vash the Stampede from the Trigun manga, which I have no knowledge of or experience with whatsoever, but the con is more geared towards anime and manga. And so I said to Doc, you're into that stuff. Who's the character we should do? And he said, let's do Vash. So I said, okay, cool. Now I have to read all of the manga before the panel so I can coordinate and write the episode with doc but i'm looking forward to it this is going to be the first time we've ever done a manga character so it's going to be an interesting experience for everybody but if you happen to be in new jersey or in the southern new jersey area and you want to go check us out and meet us in person like i said we will be at PoochieCon on uh, 11 o'clock on sunday may 14th which is also mother's day so just make sure you clear everything with your mom and uh Come check us out. It's going to be a good time. 
oh, you've opened the door to anime. You are so lucky right now that you only have so many spots that are already filled up for Patreon levels to pick characters for you to do. Yep, all of our present levels are full. We actually had somebody drop out and I had somebody who I knew had previously told me if a slot opens up, let me know and I will jump up. They were already a patron and they bumped it up once I messaged them and said, hey, the slot opened up literally within five minutes. They said, boom, I got the email from Patreon. Oh, we've, up, <laughs> you know, this person has uh, upgraded their uh, their membership. So if, a, if another spot opens up, I'll let you know. Or I'll just write you guys a big old giant check that'll make you do a character anyway. Okay, That's how you can tell I'm old. I said I would write you a slash check. suggested to do that before, so. <laughs> you, you've said you were going to do that before. I think it was probably uh, Gwenpool or maybe Jessica Cruz. It was one of those. It was definitely one of those. But you said, I will write you a check for... Yeah, it was definitely to do one of those. It, I don't think I had even made a decision. But since you guys have done your Jessica Cruz episode, then I think it definitely has to be Gwen of some kind. Yeah, we'll we'll get there, I'm sure. I know we're going to be doing Miguel for Into the Spider-Verse. Maybe for the third one, we'll do Gwen or an adjacent character. I don't know. We'll figure it out. It's got to be synergistic. Um, we'll make and it we've also never done a 2099 character, so... Looking forward to it. Trust me, as, as soon as we get Gwenpool uh, on the radar or uh, not Gwenpool um, ghost spider slash spider Gwen on the radar I will let you know I will give you plenty of advance notice yeah. yes well for Anthony Sitko I have Chris Osborne say uh, whatever it is Anthony says at the end of his show because by then I'm usually pulling into work and I have to thanks stop. for listening see you next time <laughs> As always, if you want to hear from me, the best place is to head on over to playcomics.com where you can find links to all the social media things. For now, Twitter still exists, and you can still find me there. I should get better on Mastodon. I should get better on Instagram. Maybe. I don't care about Facebook. It's stupid. Play Comics is written, produced, edited, everything by me. I also do all the art, put that together for the show because I'm a giant control freak about it. And um, it's almost five in the morning, so I've had some technical difficulties and I really wanted to get this put out. And I can't say anything nice about any other person who is alive right now. So I'm not going to tell you about somebody else's art. But you should find your favorite artist and go tell them that you like them. You can be like the wonderful patrons I have in Onola Class and Dan McMahon and Carl Antonovitz and help, you know, help the show exist by giving money if you want to, or if you financially can. Actually, you should probably like want to and financially be able to. I think having both of those things working in your favor would be better. Or, you know, just take the show and shove it in someone's ear holes with consent, because that's normally a better way to do things. 
If you want to hear some other wonderfully geeky shows, you can head on over to the getageek.com network where, like Anthony said, you can find his show because it's on the network because that's how that kind of thing works. If you like the music that I'm really talking on top of right now, check out Best Day's music at soundcloud.com slash best-day. But most of all, just grab a game, grab a stack of comics, and go find yourself a new favorite character. Anthony is not a doctor, and he is certainly not your doctor. And he is not qualified to speak to your medical issues. And even if he was, he wouldn't be in your jurisdiction, so stop asking him. Truth. And with that, I'm going to press all my magic.